Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where we're so proud that our sukkah is actually already up. But of course, Mark Zomix was up even earlier. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam Elwalik, blogger, writer, <clears throat> excuse me, general manager here at the Nachum Segal Network. You can find me here right after Allison, right before Nachum's live lunch. Who do I see behind the board? He looks extremely thin after the fast. It is the pride of Houston himself. What's up, Yoni? You Pollock? and I both know that's not how it All works. All right, whatever. Oh, good morning. Whatever. I feel like yeah, that clearing of the yeah. throat, the post-fast, you know. Exactly. My throat's been, a little uh, bit dry, a right, little bit not this. watered lately. Yes, I, I haven't been watered. That's true. How was your fast? Uh, I'm a thank God. I'm a good faster. That's good. Yeah. That is good, thank God. I am not a good faster. So when I have a good fast, I'm like, all right, yay me. <laughs> thank God. Yeah, no, thank God. Really, any, thank any God. Great tr- day. Any tricks? I, no, I, I store some extra food <laughs> in my stomach, I guess. I, I, I really You're don't know. You're a chipmunk? Yeah, exactly. Um, my daughter, one of my daughter, one of my daughters had gotten a tip a number of years ago from a friend of hers to spray perfume on like a handkerchief or something and bring it to shul so that every once in a while when you need like some kind of like aromatherapy, you take this deep breath and it has like this calming feel to it. So she does that with cinnamon sticks. She, which is something completely inedible. She's you're not going to laugh. Exactly. I'm like, why don't you just take a bag of clothes? You're not going to eat that either. Um, and she, you know, takes a good inhale, deep breath in of the cinnamon sticks and it makes her feel I, it, good. It's all like psychological. I mean, of the truth is what I do. My dad told me to take like eight sips of water very quickly right before fast. So that's what I've been doing, except I do nine because it's my favorite baseball player um, or growing up. So I like, I guess even. that's my trick, if you will. But like, I, I'm sure I could go into a fast without that and be plenty fine too. Right. I used to have this thing that I needed to have a drink to drink a glass of orange juice before. Mm, because, I wouldn't want that. Right. I stopped doing that. Um, and uh, and to all the people who whittle down their amounts of coffee and et cetera so that they don't have any caffeine withdrawal. Right. Um, I don't do that either. <laughs> I just go into it. You just go with it. It is what it is one day. But also because you can swallow pills without water. So if you have taught, right. well, you, not everyone can. I'm saying yeah. if you have taught yourself, yeah. like I have, to swallow pills without water, same. Then that's what you do. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you and, shove um, a bag of ice behind your head and you just call it a day. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love Yom Kippur. So like, I found I'm in shul the whole time. So like, right. I don't know. It it kind of goes by pretty quickly. And if your davening's enjoyable, then like honestly, exactly. like it's it's it, you know, my mom always. I spoke to my mom after Tzom Gedalia, and she said Tzom Gedalia is even harder for her because. Um, she because she eats so much over Rosh Hashanah, then by that night she's still full, mm. and then by the morning she's already hungry again because you know she hasn't eaten right. in a while. So to her that's like harder, and like you're just and then you have to work or whatever. So it's it's doubly hard. Yom Kippur you're just in shul the whole time. You're coming off a really huge meal, right? Directly before then. So like you know to each their own. But Yom yeah. Kippur also I find is a very enjoyable day. Yeah, and and also frankly like where else do you have to be? Yeah, exactly. you're not missing a meal. Your guests are not gathered at the door waiting and for you to come the home. the world's not running. Remember, exactly. The, there's the nothing. The world's run by Jews, and the Jews are busy. And the weather, Yoni. Exactly. You know so the weather's controlled by Jews. People nothing's are, going on. People were blaming somehow or another, I'm not exactly sure why, President Trump on uh, social media for uh, the hurricane, for Hurricane yeah, Florence. I mean, obviously. Before it hit. Before it hit, they were blaming. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not his fault. No, you got to find something. The Jews are the ones who create and control the weather. So it totally can't be his fault, but whatever. It's all ridiculous. Anyway, let's do the fortune cookie. We have a fortune. Last week's fortune was good. Last week's fortune was good. Let's hope for today that today's fortune cookie is good as well. 
All right, here we go. Today's fortune. They will be grateful that you cared enough to make it. All right, well, that's it. I'm RSVPing no. Don't set me a seat for any further Simcha, but I will come by and wish Mazel Tov. They will be grateful that you cared enough to make it. Or is that the cake that they like? Am I supposed to be making it? Or I guess I would say baking it? I don't know. I'm not sure. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to think about that one. I'm still I'm still feeling the the good vibes of last week, so it really doesn't matter. Let's do the national holidays. National holidays. We have four national holidays to, today, Yoni, and they're all food related. None of which really should ever be eaten together for numerous reasons. But we have four national holidays. It's National String Cheese Day. Okay. Uh huh. That's fine. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like I just recently saw someone eat string cheese, but okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's a common occurrence, Yoni. Yeah, I like it. Okay, it's National Punch Day. The drink, not the action, not the verb. So just like string. I love Hawaiian punch, but I was just thinking of the combo of punch you and like string cheese. Hawaiian punch. I love Hawaiian punch. It's one of those things that's really hard for me not to drink. Wow. I mean, I love fruit punch, so like Hawaiian punch. I mean, punch who is just are so you? Like, I didn't so even good. know this about you. It's so good. Wow. Okay, it's National Fried Rice Day. I'm into fried rice. I like fried rice. Okay. I like fried rice. And it's National Pepperoni Pizza Day, which I guess for us would mean National Soy Pepperoni Pizza Day. Right. I guess outside of that last one, the other three, have they have no relation. No, there's they don't nothing. Go well at all. And I couldn't understand it, and I tried to do a little bit more research on why there are four national holidays regarding food and no other national holidays today. I couldn't come up with anything. It's after except, Yom Kippur. Right. Except that it's after Yom Kippur. They're teasing us. Yes, and maybe people are breaking their fasts on some of these items. I don't know. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't go Pizza, there. Uh, yeah, punch. I don't. I got nothing. All right. Yeah, but either way, if you're celebrating, happy national holiday to you. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm pleased to introduce my guest. He calls in from Israel. He is the author of The Gift of Stuttering. The Gift of Stuttering is a frankly a phenomenal book, and I I very much look forward to. Uh, Rabbi Mo Mernick joining us in just a moment. But if those of you who are listening, who are who think this sounds familiar, um, I did bring this up last week during the live lunch with Nahum last Thursday. Uh, while I was in the middle of the book, I had told Nahum that I fortuitously was uh, was given a copy of the book. I had already seen a review of it in the OU's Jewish Action magazine, which um, then inspired me to contact Mosaic Press and asked them for a copy, which I then read with tremendous gusto, not being able to put it down. And I said that for me, it was fortuitous, the whole timing of receiving a copy of the book, because it was um, a Sarah Simei and it was the, the, the 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And so this is a time of introspection. This is a time of appreciation. It's a time of looking at one's life and blessings and challenges and asking questions and maybe finding answers and maybe not finding answers. So I just found that the timing of this book, of my receiving this book and being able to read this book was really quite poignant, which is why I brought it up last Thursday during the live lunch. And so um, it is with great pleasure that I welcome Rabbi Mernick to the show. Uh, I guess it's good morning. It's good evening for you. It's good night for you, wherever you are. How are you, sir? You got it, Miriam. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. It's absolutely my pleasure. The Gift of Stuttering, Confronting Life's Challenges, A Personal Journey. I wonder if in a million years, when you were 15, you were 18, when you were facing a number of different challenges, I wonder if you ever thought you would write a book like this. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And by the way, I'm so touched with how you just described my book that you read it with gusto. 
I mean, that's, that's very touching and I appreciate that a lot. So thank you so much. It's, it's, it's for me to be here on the show, for you to be talking about my book that way, for, for me to use that story now as a catalyst to inspire others is I feel tremendously humbled and privileged by the opportunity. No, it is. It is my pleasure. I found myself reading the book on the subway. I found myself reading the book standing <laughs> up on a bus. I, <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's very little room left in a woman's pocketbook for a novel, but um, especially a hardcover. A hardcover. But I actually shouldn't call this a novel. I shouldn't call it a novel at all. It's um, and I I wouldn't call it a um. I, I wouldn't call it a, I would call it a, a personal memoir and a personal memoir with a, if it inspires you and if I've done something for you, great. But this is, this is about my life and my, and my seeing my value in myself. So, so it's not a, it's not a handbook. It's not a handbook and it's not a book on Torah. It's a listen to my story, see how my life has unfolded and, and hopefully it'll inspire you kind of book. I'm so happy you you were able to glean that message from the book. And it's actually fascinating that you called it a personal memoir. I had it back and forth with the publisher for a long time, whether I can call it a memoir on the book. And everybody said that I can't call it a memoir because I'm young and I'm not famous. So <laughs> I can call it a memoir. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was the point. It's not a matter of me telling anybody else what to think or how to think or really how to confront their challenges. It was really a personal story about how I was able to confront my challenges in a very vulnerable, open way, as I'm sure you saw. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I applaud your, um, your vulnerability and your being able to be open about that. Um, and I also applaud your complete honesty. Um, you know, when you're, when you're speaking about your challenge, and in this case, um, it is your stutter, which I, I will say for now, and this is something that I have very much learned from your book, is putting it out there, putting out uh, initially that you have a stutter that may pop up and say hi, as you mentioned in the book, um, to quote you, yeah. to quote you to you. Um, it, you know, and it may come up during our conversation, which is obviously completely fine. Um, but there is, there is, th that is the challenge that you faced starting at the age of three that, um, shaped so much of your life and of where and choices that you ended up making, but yet became this blessing, became this gift that you eventually were able to appreciate. Correct. I, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit without going into, you know, I would say, and I'm not even saying this to be funny, ages three through 18. And so many of the different, <laughs> you could tell I really paid attention, by the way. Um, That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, the, 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 those challenges I, I would rather leave for the book. But you spent some time in Germany as an adult and around the age of 20. And um, even if we wouldn't be able to call this book a memoir starting before the age of 20, I would say that some of the experiences that you found starting at the age of 20, being a person who was sharing Torah and, and, and basically paid to reach out to other Jews in Germany and, and, and import to them the importance of Judaism were, were really, you know, tremendously formative years in your life, in your appreciation, or your coming to an understanding with your stutter? You're absolutely right. In 
two very distinct ways. Uh, first of all, as you saw from the book, that was really a turning point for my stutter. And I know for all the listeners out there, for all of you, you might be scratching for it saying, like, does this guy really stutter? Did he write a book on stuttering? Why is he not stuttering right now? That's a whole world, which <laughs> I'm not sure if we have the time on this show. And I use all kinds of tactics to really circumvent the stutter, to work around the stutter. It's just what I do, not for right now. But what started to happen at about that age when I moved out to Europe to teach Torah was beginning to see that, first of all, I was coming out of my shell, beginning to public speak for really the first time in my life, being confident on stage, still stuttering, yet feeling happy in my own skin, which is a tremendous accomplishment for me. Number two, it was really the sense that um, I had a really difficult time with Judaism for so many years. I grew up in a from home, attending very from schools, and I found myself over the course of my teenage years shifting out of Orthodox Judaism. It, 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 it didn't seem right. Things did not seem to make sense. They weren't lining up the fact that Hashem is supposed to love us and takes care of us. At the same time, life was really, really, really hard. How do those two things uh, uh, work together was something that was beyond me. So spending years beginning to learn about that in a very deep way in Israel was tremendously formative. And then beginning to teach Torah, I found that all the questions that I had been asking for years, the questions that had bothered me, the questions that have forced me to really confront life in an honest way, those answers that I'd, that I'd not only heard but began to internalize had been also helpful when I was beginning to teach others Torah, the questions that I was asking for years were on many other minds, too. So that was a really uh, transformational couple of years for me as I finished yeshiva and university and began to teach Torah before entering into the business world. It was just fascinating to see that come together. Did you find um, once you had um, developed this tactic of starting an introduction or a speech or, or, or a one-to-one -one conversation or even meeting a group professionally with the disclaimer, so to speak, of I have a stutter and it may pop up, um, that, that it therefore just removed your, not, not just your concerns, but it just made it a non-issue before becoming an issue while interacting with other people? Miriam, I'd like to say, first of all, I'm very impressed because you really read my book. Not just read my book, you're quoting things word for word. <laughs> that is very impressive. So thank you again. I'm very touched. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Of, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> that's very, very special. In terms of the disclaimer, I want to say that some of you that are listening to the show might either study yourselves. You might know a family member, a friend, a colleague who has a stutter. So just to give a very, just a, and it's not, I, I took about 10 years of speech therapy, all kinds of speech therapy, very unique types of speech therapy. Nothing really helped sustainably. Uh, what Miriam is referring to now is my disclaimer that I started to just feel a sense of confidence, mostly based from my religious or spiritual search about finally realizing and appreciating that Hashem runs this world, that God runs this world, and then saying, all right, so if God runs this world, then obviously everything happens for a reason. If everything happens for a reason, then my stutter is not just random, but it's obviously there for for some sort of greater good, and therefore I'm going to be myself and live life with it. Therefore, I, for the first time, stopped avoiding all types of social situations, religious situations, and I just began to lead the life that I wanted to lead. Therefore, when I would start a conversation with somebody, uh, being that I would stutter a tremendous amount, I would often just start and say, my name is Mo, just want to let you know that I have a stutter, and it may pop up to say hi. Be being open about that 
was able to it, 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 there was just it, it let the cat out of the bag. It, right. It's going to pop up. My tongue's going to start coming out of my mouth, and it might get messy and awkward, and nobody knows what to do, and everybody begins to fidget. If I preempt the fact that I stutter, and I let you know, the person that I'm talking to know that I have a stutter, and I'm able to make light of it and joke and laugh about it, then then not only if it, if it comes out is it so much less uncomfortable, which is almost inevitable. But interestingly, what I began to learn is that the more I preempt the fact that I stutter and let the other people know that I do stutter, the less prone I am to actually stutter because I have less anxiety around, mm. oh, no, what will they think of me if I stutter? Because they already know that I stutter. And therefore, I'm less nervous about the stuttering, and it's less likely to come up. It's, it's really, it's fascinating how you therefore create almost a safe space for yourself and, um, and enable or empower yourself to feel more comfortable simply by getting it out there. And I use the word simply, obviously, tongue in cheek. It takes a tremendous amount of strength um, and courage to just put out one's own challenge in a very vulnerable way to a group of people. And it remind and it, it, it sort of piggybacked on a different point that you bring up in the book that I had been wondering from the beginning as a person who personally, who as just from a personal level tries to be sensitive to, you know, different populations and, and people who have their own challenges in how to refer to them. So you bring up at one point um, where you have this wonderful, wonderful speech therapist or, you know, this person who's influential. Her name is Lori, and you talk about her extensively in the book and, and the great impact that she made. And she brings up the topic of how would you as a group, and you were part of a group, how would you as a group be, be more comfortable being classified as stutterers or people who stutter, individuals with a stutter, whether or not that challenge defines you, I mean, and, and, or it's just something that is, whether you refer to people with blue eyes as blue-eyed people or a person with blue eyes. And so while there, to some people, they would, look, they would listen to this part of the conversation and say, wow, that's semantics if I ever heard it. But, but nevertheless, when you're the person with that challenge, and in this case, you with a stutter, was it something that you had thought about beforehand? Am I a stutterer or do I just have a stutter? Absolutely. It- it came up a lot, actually, and it was really through my growth there, being able to think about who am I. And so often when we go through difficult times or if there's something that seems to overtake our lives, we, we classify ourselves in our entirety around that particular label. And it can be very damaging to us because there's so many variables, ingredients that make up the people that we are. And if we're solely focused on branding ourselves by that one challenge or that one perhaps negative trait that we have, we miss everything else in the process. And I remember at one particular moment in that speech therapy um, course that I was taking is that I was crying at the end of it. It was a month-long, super intense therapy course. I was about 17 years old at that point, and I, the stutter was not going away. And I remember my therapist just sat down with me. She's like, Mo, you have so much going for you. And she listed off all these things that I have in my life that are awesome. She's like, and you have a stutter. <laughs> it's also, it's something, it's another part of your life, but it's not who you are. And the more that I felt that my entire life was branded by the stutter is the more it got me down. This is a very sensitive point, though, because I'm not encouraging 
all the listeners on this show to start <laughs> wearing labels on our forehead <laughs> and having our Facebook and WhatsApp status become, guess what I have, blank and blank, you know, right. that's that's not what I'm encouraging. This is a very sensitive topic, and it has to be understood better. And feel free to either read the book or feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to discuss that some more. But for me, for my stutter, that inevitably comes out in many conversations. And earlier in my life, it came out in basically every conversation. So either I'll let it define the conversation. I'll let it run with it. It'll start to run a world of its own, or I'll start to take charge and say, this is my stutter. It's going to come up. Let's just work with it and have some fun with it. Mm. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Rabbi Mo Mernick joins us this morning. He is the author of The Gift of Stuttering, Confronting Life's Challenges, A Personal Journey. It is available. I mean, I got it through the through the uh, <laughs> the publisher. It is put out by Mosaic Press, but I am sure that it is also available on Amazon blessed God, like absolutely everything else on this planet is probably available by Amazon um, and uh, your local bo- your local bookstore as well. There are um, there there are a number of um, how shall I say stupid things that people do in our efforts to try and be sensitive to somebody with a challenge, but inevitably we as the public fail. And I am sure that you have had that over time where you're in the middle of a thought and the word is coming to you, but somebody possibly thinks that you're, um, you've lost your train of thought. And so they jump in, but, but yet you're, you're exactly where you need to be. And that's probably, you know, a frustrating moment for you as the speaker. So I wonder some of the less sensitive things that you have experienced, or in this case, am I just being too critical and you don't take it as insensitive, but rather as, listen, it is what it is. Very good question. I actually have a whole appendix on my book on the subject. This comes up all the time. And I now give lectures all over the world and we talk about this and in that, um, Basically, every talk I give, there are people that come over to me afterwards and say, so what should I do? I have a friend, family member, cousin who has a stutter. How should I react Mm. when he or she stutters? This comes up all the time. Often, what happened when I was growing up is that people would do one of a couple things. (laughs) So let's say you say, what's your name? And I'm like, I I just can't get the name Mo out. And Mm. the people would say they didn't mean harm, typically. Those who did, there are some who did, and that made me cry a lot as a kid, and I wish them all the best, and I hope they never, ever have that experience Mm. because it's really hard. But for most people, they're just trying to uh, um, diffuse a very uh, awkward situation. So uh, people would say, oh, (laughs) did you forget your name? or they might say, or they might change the subject. They might just check their phone. They might walk away. They might try to fill in the blank. Those things are all normal. Uh, but recognize, please, that most people who stutter, when we're going through that stutter and we're just trying to get that letter out, that word out, just wait patiently, look into our eyes, relax, and give us a few moments, please, to say it. Hmm. It's, 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 it's more uncomfortable for us than it is for you and just providing us a safe space to be ourselves and to stutter does wonders for us. When you start to fill in our blanks, when you start to check your watch and say you got to run, 
when you change the subject, we feel inadequate. We feel like we can't talk and can't have a normal conversation. I would like to add, though, a caveat in that some people, some of those people who do stutter, some of us, would actually like for people to fill in their blanks. So I would recommend that for those of you who know somebody who stutters, have that conversation. Um, parenthetically, my wife and I now, we know each other so well that when we're in social situations and I begin to have a stutter, we'll connect our eyes. And every so often I'll like provide her with them, like, I'll just give her a little nod and she'll just fill it right in for me. Or, and she'll know when I want her to do it and when I don't. That's great. What <laughs> a wingman. great dynamic there. <laughs> what a wingman. It's called The Gift of Stuttering, Confronting Life's Challenges, A Personal Journey. It is a story of finding meaning within, within life's challenges and of transforming the heaviest burdens into the greatest gifts. Rabbi Mo Mernick, I want to thank you, first of all, for writing the book. As you can tell, I really enjoyed it and I found it truly inspiring. And I want to thank you for the time that you gave us this morning. And um, I, hope, I hope you continue writing even beyond your memoir. And I'm not your publisher, so I can call it that. <laughs> Um, but even beyond your memoir, I hope you continue writing and I hope you continue being a guest here with us at That's Life. Thank you so much, Miriam. And just one last point. I really appreciate the fact you recognize that this book is not just for those who have a stutter. You and I, every one of us, we all have challenges in our lives. Every one of us. If we can transform those challenges and recognize them as gifts, it can create a tremendous paradigm shift in our lives and we can live so much happier, more meaningful lives as a result. So, so thank you so much for accentuating that point. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I wish you a really beautiful year ahead. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, or I should say you've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. The live lunch starts in just a few moments, hosted by Nachum Siegel himself. And then, of course, it is TBT Throwback Thursday starting at 1 o'clock, JM Rewind at 4 p.m. And the Arab Shabbos show, hosted by Mark Zomik, brought to you by our friends at Kedem, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow morning, join Nachum as he hosts JM in the AIM from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And at the conclusion join Naomi for table for two and then stay tuned as you enjoy the encore of the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zomik that had previously um, previously aired tonight meaning Thursday night and then the Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem continues up until candlelighting here in the New York area of Rami host Saturday night sequel this Matzah Shabbos Matzah hosts JM Sunday Sunday morning at 7 a.m. because of course everything is already misudar at the wine guests he has the time to take care of the show well that's Matzah folks he's all over it let's do a TBT moment this is a Sukkot classic it is Kesher with Lenny Solomon in the lead Visamachta Bechagecha I mean Yoni you just missed the big the big I mean you, th those are big notes you just you just trampled over, buddy. All right, fine. Everybody knows what we're playing here. I wish everyone a Chag Sameach. We'll speak to you after Yantif. Chag Sameach, folks. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>